Welcome to Two Girls in a Grape, where we attempt to learn about wine one bottle at a time. I'm Drea, and it's still the season to drink wine. What is it not the season to drink wine? In Drea's world, it's always the season to drink wine. I'm just a festive person. (laughs) And I'm Jules. And tis the season to raise a glass. Just just this season, huh? Just this season. No other time. Such liars. No other time. Well, everyone, we are continuing our holiday theme with a very special Wine 101 episode dedicated to learning all about bubbles. But before we get into all the festive cheer, let's start with our reoccurring segment, Cheers and Jeers. Jules, what are you cheersing and jeersing? I'm cheersing to fresh Christmas trees. I get a fresh tree every year. It's like one of those things that I kind of feel bad because... You know, it just gets recycled at the end of the year. So you're cutting down trees, but I'm like, they're already cut down. So like, I might as well buy one and give it a home. But also, I love the smell of a fresh Christmas tree. It's my jam. I do love it. I love the smell. It doesn't love me, but I do love it. Are you allergic to fresh oh, Christmas uh-huh. trees? Oh. I'm allergic. John and I are both allergic to like all trees and all grass. It's a real oh, shit show. Yeah. 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 So, so yeah, so that's my that's my cheers. Love me a good fresh Christmas tree. And what are you cheersing? Just people that are Scrooge, Scroogies, Scrooges, Ebenezers. Just people that are assholes during the holidays. I was like, like misers. Like where? where <laughs> let's be more specific here. Just like the people that are like bah humbug, Scrooge. Jeez. Is this because I don't want to watch those Hallmark movies? Oh, she is such a Scrooge about that. I am. It she is like the is one, awful. Listen, you give me the Muppets Christmas Carol all day long, I'll watch that shit. But get that fucking A Prince's Holiday, like, Love the fuck it. away from me. And do it. Absolutely not. Rob and I have been watching all the bad ones. Okay, well, that's, I'm, I'm so We're happy for it. you. And we'll just scream at the TV when it's really bad. We're like, oh my God, this is so bad. But we, we continue. Oh God. We, we charge on. Someone what are you, you? What are you? What are you cheersing to? <clears throat> Christmas lights. Oh, for sure. <laughs> I yes. love Christmas lights. I just love all the twinkly things. I want everything to look like Disneyland all the fucking time. Oh lord. <laughs> so, <laughs> how's yeah? How's that for festive? I like it. <laughs> what are you cheersing to? I get real grumpy about like consumerism ruining Christmas. It's just like the deep rooted socialist in me. Uh, she says five minutes after literally sitting on her computer for 30 minutes scrolling and shopping. Did I buy anything? Did I buy anything, though? That's right. I did not. I was window shopping. Yeah, she was. <laughs> but, like, see, like, go watch Charlie Brown, yo. Like, you know, just Christmas is like, I don't know. It's a feeling, right? It's a. It's about the stuff, Drea. It's about to stop. It makes me sad. I have to say, I love buying gifts for people. I love wrapping gifts. I love the whole look of all the gifts under the tree. Like, it makes me very happy. I just do. Okay. I like it. I'm surprised you don't have a pink metal tree, Lucy. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Cheers and cheers. Wait, am I a Scrooge again? Yes. Meow. She's Scrooge. (laughs) 
All right, so clearly we need to liven this party up again a little bit. Uh, so, Scroogey McScroogerson over there. <laughs> so sticking with our Bubbles themes for this episode of Shawinigans, we are taking a quiz from our friends at Vine Pair called Discover the Sparkling Wine You'll Like. And this is kind of, when I was talking to Jules about it, I was like, you know, it's like one of those like cosmopolitan sex position quizzes. That's, that's the vibe we're going for here. So, again, very educational. So, we are each going to... <laughs> and that's educational? Okay. This is a learning experience. Sure. Sure. <laughs> we're learning about ourselves. We're learning about each other. Just fucking go with it. Okay, Jesus. I'm going with it. Let's start. Okay. So, we are each going to independently take the quiz. Oh, we are. Okay. We're not going to reveal our answer. We'll do the reveal at the end. All right? So, this is all happening in lifetime. So, the first question... What's the occasion? Oh, I should tell you, this is this quiz is going to tell us, like, basically our sparkling wine soulmate, I guess. Sure. Maybe. Okay. Also, if you get Prosecco, I'm going to die. I'm, I'm also going to die. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so question one. What's the occasion? Any old New Year's Eve party? A romantic bottle for two? A dinner party? A special occasion? The bottle's actually not for me. Okay. Question two, what's your price range? Around $15, around $30, around $50. Price doesn't matter. I was hoping for under $5. Okay, next. Should we know about anyone you'll be drinking with? First, there are some wine nerds in the group. Two, there are status seekers in the group. Three, these folks value quality over name. Four, nope. Five, one of us only drinks red. <laughs> All right, next up, when you think of bubbly, what do you think of? I drink it, which is nightly. <laughs> it's for toasts only. I think of fried chicken. I think of and caviar. Or I think of my own personality. <laughs> Sparkling. <laughs> <laughs> Next question. Describe your wine drinking habits. Oh, oh God. Shit. This is like when you go to the doctor <laughs> yeah. and they ask you how many drinks I you have. I told you it was like one of those time. sex quizzes. <laughs> <laughs> one, I'm from California, so why would I drink wine from anywhere else? Two, you wouldn't know what I drink. <laughs> Three, I'm a Francophile. Four, I like pretty packaging. Five, rosé is a year-round habit. Hmm. Zozo, what was your answer? <sighs> All right, next up, let's talk about glassware. Bubbly should always be served in a flute. Bubbly belongs in a real wine glass. Coops are delightful. Have you seen my shambong? I actually gifted shambong to my to one of my besties, Michelle, because she loves champagne. That's amazing. And finally, who needs glassware? <laughs> just, just add <laughs> just the bottle. Just add silly straw. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. We ready to All reveal? All right. Tell me the bubbly that I'll like. Okay. I got a cremant. I got a rosé champagne. Oh. Which is pretty, like... 
pretty. I love actually. Good I think champagne. these are pretty on. So a, yeah. So it says mine says go for Cremant, the sparkling wine of France's hipster region of the moment. I'm hip. Do you hear that? When your favorite importer can't get you a bottle. Oh my God, this does sound like me. Um, we know you'll settle for what you can find. <laughs> okay, you got a lot. My my answer was literally the sparkling wine you should drink is a non-vintage rosé champagne. We support your decision to rock rosé all year long. Go for a bottle of non-vintage rosé champagne and that's all it says. <laughs> so mm. that's actually pretty spot on too because like, you like all the details I and do. all the fluff. I like, and I'm like so just give me many the, details. Just give me, just give me the bottle. Just, just give me the bottle. <laughs> Fucking pour the glass already. Well, apparently Vine Pairs Cosmo Quiz knows us very well. We will link the uh, quiz in our uh, Instagram so you can also take the quiz along with us. Yeah, have fun. All right. Schweinigans. On this fun and festive episode, we are continuing our Wine 101 series with a crash course on bubbles. Tiny bubbles. Tiny bubbles. We're going to cover the basic history and types of sparkling wines and give you some tips for purchasing and serving said sparkling wines. By the end of this episode, you will be able to taste, select, and serve wine with confidence and flair. Or at least not feel like a total asshole. So let's get down to it. The baseline's pretty low. We're here to help. The baseline is low. So I'm going to start with the basics. And then is going to give you the history because, well, That's is what Drea. she does. So basics are sparkling wine is carbonated wine. It has bubbles in it. It's carbonated wine. It goes through a secondary fermentation, basically. What? Just saying. Sparkling wine can also be made from white or red grapes. I don't know if I knew that. Yeah. Did I know that? I mean, yeah, rosé sparkling. Pinot Noir? Yeah, duh. I don't know, I just like, whatever, whatever. Anyway. Even Jules learns things on this podcast, sometimes, everyone. Sometimes she pays attention. <laughs> uh, sparkling wine can be produced anywhere in the world, but there are certain types like champagne that can only come from a specific region. I'm pretty sure... Anybody that listens to this understand, like, already knows that. I feel like everybody knows about the whole champagne situation. Maybe. I think so. But if you didn't, now you know. So, Drea. Yes. Take us back in time and give us the history of sparkling wine. Okay. Look at that. Oh, wow. She's a real poet today, everybody. (laughs) She's on one. She's on something. So. Not alcohol. (laughs) Bubbles in wine are thought to have existed as long as wine itself. And the first record of bubbles in wine can be found in writings from, you guessed it, the Greeks and the Romans, because they all up in that early wine heritage business. See? It was just smart. I make history fun. In 1662, the English scientist Christopher Merritt presented a paper detailing how the presence of sugar in wine led to it eventually sparkling and that by adding sugar to a wine before bottling it, nearly any wine could be made to sparkle. You too can sparkle. (laughs) This is one of the first known accounts of understanding the process of making sparkling wine and even suggests that British merchants were producing, quote, sparkling champagne before the French were deliberately making it. And speaking of the French, I actually found this really interesting. Um, you know, the French have been making wine for a long time, right? And they start, even though Champagne is famous 
for coming from France. Still wine has always been kind of the bread and butter of French winemaking. And the still wines from the region that is now Champagne, it's been noted since the Middle Ages that sometimes there was kind of a effervescence or a light sparkling note to it. And this was originally disdained by winemakers and consumers and was considered to be a fault in the wine. In fact, the infamous Dom Perignon was originally charged by his superiors at the winery where he started his career to get with getting rid of the bubbles since the pressure in the bottles caused so many of them to burst in the cellar. And thank God he was a failure. <gasps> For shame. <laughs> Uh, sparkling wine has also been historically a historically dangerous endeavor. <clears throat> when deliberate sparkling wine production increased in the early 18th century, cellar workers would have to wear heavy iron masks to prevent injury from spontaneously bursting bottles. Now remember, none of there was no machinery at this time. So anything that any movement of the bottles had to be done by hand. The disturbance of bottles though, um, caused by one bottle bursting could cause a chain reaction and bring sellers to lose 20 to 90% of their bottles from a single instability. Oh, yeah. Oh, can you imagine? Very tragic. Um, this, these circumstances surrounding the then unknown processes of fermentation and carbonic gases caused some early critics of wine to cause, call sparkling creations, quote, the devil's wine. Oh, I'm here for that. <laughs> Isn't that festive? I wonder if there's a brand, if there's a bottle called the devil's oh, wine. Oh, that would be a fun one that to look for. Yeah. Next next Halloween. Ooh, I like Definitely that. Next Halloween. So let's cover the basic process of sparkling wine making. So there are several ways that sparkling wines can be made in the modern world, but we'll focus on broad strokes, on the broad strokes that most winemakers take during production. So one. Grapes are picked. Wow. Okay. Mind blown. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and a base wine or cuvee is fermented. Next step is to add yeast and sugar to the cuvee in an effort to start the second fermentation. During this step, the mixture is bottled and topped with a signature crown cap. Then comes the second fermentation. That's like the second coming of Christ. This step of the sparkling really wine leaning into that holiday theme here. This, this step of the sparkling wine production process adds more alcohol content and creates CO2, giving us the classic bubbles. Then the wine is aged to help develop its texture and palate. The amount of sugar added in the production process is important since sugar levels ultimately determine the dryness of the wine and the pressure that's created in the bottle. Next is disgorgement. I hate this word. Oh, I think it sounds so disgusting. Uh, that's one of my favorite words. I'm like disgorgement. It sounds it's so not fu it's so funny to me. <laughs> so with two fermentation steps, the yeast of or lees, the lees, yeah, or or the lees um, that collect collect inside the bottle. Um, the next step of the process is to turn all the bottles upside down, forcing the yeast in the wine to sink into the neck of the wine bottle. And I think this is actually where, in the oldie days, that's when they were running into So that's when they would when they turn turning, the bottles. Yep. And they had to be really careful about how they turn the bottles. Because that pressure in the bottle could just go pop. Yeah. So in order to remove the yeast, the bottles are turned, the necks are frozen, and the caps pop off with the lees. 
Finally, a solution of wine and sugar is added to each bottle in order to fill them. The bottles are corked, wired shut, and sent off to be labeled and consumed by Drea and Jules. Have you ever seen a disgorgement of a bottle? No. So I've seen them, I mean, I've seen them done by machine. It sounds like something like that you'd see in a horror film. I don't know. It sounds like dismemberment. You like, love it's Halloween. Amazing. It's fine. I do. But I've seen this them do it by hand. Okay. And it is wild. So, like, think of a wine bottle. And even with, like, a, a machine process, you lose almost the full neck of wine from that process just because the pressure forces it out of the mm-hmm. bottle. It's it's pretty crazy, but all of you should YouTube um, disgorgement by hand. Well, maybe be more specific. Disgorgement sparkling wine hand. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay, fair. Let's not give people <laughs> the wrong advice. All right. Okay. And don't do it at work. <laughs> do it on your company laptop in full view of children. <laughs> like, do it on the big TV screen that you have your Zoom calls, like meetings yeah. and stuff. Yeah, great. While you're presenting. It's fine. <laughs> Okay, Drea, tell us about the types of sparkling wines. Okay, so we're going to cover the three basic sparkling wines that you'll encounter um, in your in your drinking endeavors here. So we have the traditional uh, method, the Charmant or Tank method, and the method ancestral or Petnat. So let's start with the traditional. So the tr- traditional method of sparkling winemaking was actually awarded a UNESCO heritage um designation in champagne in 2015 uh as jules already alluded to champagne is like a protected designation so only wines that are coming out of that particular region in france can be called champagne it is arguably um the most appreciated method for sparkling wine production as well in terms of quality and at the same time is also the most costly in terms of production uh, and that as we're going to see it has to do with aging so the most important facet of the traditional method is that transformation from still to sparkling wine inc- occurs entirely inside the bottle it's inside the bottle. inside the bottle <gasps> it's science but oh, also magic that's science it's magic science <laughs> it's magic science um <laughs> so it follows the method that jules just outlined Uh, But what makes this method truly exceptional is the aging capabilities. So wines are in the bottle, they're aged on their leaves for a period of time to really develop that texture and that structure in the wine. And most areas that have a designation, so you think of like Champagne from France, Cava from um, uh, Spain, places where, you know, their wines are heavily regulated have certain rules for aging. So champagne, for example, requires a minimum of 15 months of aging, 36 months for vintage. Cava requires a minimum of nine months of aging, um, but up to thir- but 30 months for a Gran Reserva. And then it goes above as you get into more complex vintages in both France and Spain. Most believe that the longer the wine ages on the leaves, the better, because the more depth of flavor that you get developed so method we've already talked about shava and um shava kava and champagne <laughs> but two other examples are cremant and set for sket sket sect sect sect, sect from germany the second method is the charmant or the tank method and the tank method uh, comes about during the industrial revolution and advancements made during the early 20th century 
and is the main process used for Prosecco and Lambrusco wines. The major difference between the tank method and traditional method is the removal of the individual bottle um, and the vessel is used to turn a still wine into a sparkling one. So instead of that process, base wines are added together with the sugar and yeast mixture in a large tank. And as the wine has its second fermentation, the CO2 release from the fermentation causes the tank to pressurize and then the wines are filtered and bottled without aging. That's oftentimes why for Prosecco, you get like a crispness and a zestiness, but also um, a fair punch of that residual sugar. <clears throat> the next method and the last one we'll talk about today is the method ancestral or petulant natural or pet nat it is, it is, as it, there we go, is commonly, we go. is commonly called in natural wine circles. This method of sparkling wine production uses icy temperature, uses uh, low temperatures and sometimes no filtration um, to pause the fermentation midway for a period of months and then wines are bottled and the fermentation finishes. This traps the CO2 in the bottle, giving it not necessarily that same punch of carbonation that you would get in a Charmant or a traditional method, but you know, kind of a fizz to it, I would say. Um, this technique is referred to as the ancestral method because it's assumed that this is one of the earliest forms of sparkling winemaker. And the key here too is really it's going through that one fermentation in the bottle instead of a secondary one. And oftentimes you'll be able to tell Petnat most of them are a little bit cloudier. Mm -hmm. They don't have the same clarity. That's because of the lack of filtration. Um, and they're not really disgorging those leaves. So yeah, they'll have, they, they'll have yeah. the sediment that'll collect on the bottom. That's why with a lot of pet gnats, you don't want to store them on their side. You want to store them from their base up, especially before serving. You will also find that they will have a crown cap, like a cider or a beer bottle. Like when you have to like pop the cap <laughs> instead of using. Right. A, because they a never screw, went into another screw opener bottle and were disgorged. Corkscrew. Corkscrew. There wow. we go. We're I both. I should start drinking. <laughs> this is ridiculous. We're both really struggling. <laughs> so you'll see that crown cap on there. Okay, so next, let's talk about the levels of sparkling wine. Did you know there are levels? And this all has to do with the amount of residual sugar and sweetness. So Jules, tell us about the love, because we know how much you love sweet wine. So tell us about oh. the levels of Okay, so I'm going to give you all of them, and then we'll break each one of them down. So you have extra brut, you have brut, extra dry, and demi-sec. So let's start with the extra brut. This is the driest style of sparkling wine. Bone dry. Bone dry. We Bone love it. In these wines, the yeast has consumed absolutely all of the sugar, so there is a complete absence of sweetness in the wine. I find this part of what we're talking about really interesting because I have found myself being like, is it, do I want the brute? Do I want the extra? Like, I, I can't, like, keep it all together. I'd sometimes I'll have to, like, look it up and be like, okay, it, is it's going to be really sweet? It's, like, confusing the, it's system. the wrong, it's, um, uh, I can't think of what the, the phrase is when it's something. Like, is, inverted, almost. Yeah. Right. It's not the way that it should be. Then we move on to Brute. 
This is the most popular style, popular type of sparkling wine. These wines are dry, but do show a hint of sweetness. And champagne is the most common sparkler to be labeled brute. Drea, tell us about the next two. Well, and here's where you, I think you get tri tripped up because next on the scale is extra dry, which we would normally associate with dry wine. But this type of sparkling wine um, tends to be sweeter than brute or extra brute. So for example, Prosecco is the most notable example of a sparkling wine that's produced in an extra dry style. And then finally, we have Jules's absolute favorite. Such a favorite thing. Which is the Demi-Sec. And this is a sweet sparkling wine with notable sugar content, perfect for pairing with desserts. Actually, I think they're great for like a cheese course or a cheese dessert. I wouldn't um, like it for anything. But that's just me. Every wine has its place and time. Nope. <laughs> nope, nope, nope. Okay, so now that we've talked a little bit about um, sparkling wines and you know all about them, what do you pick? We got you covered. Yeah, we do. Instead of our traditional tasting and pairing discussion, we're selecting a couple of common holiday favorites and offering up some strategies for picking the perfect sparkling wine. The first step in picking a wine for your holiday celebrations is to really find out what your style of wine is. So you can do like us and take the vine pair quiz, or you can just also listen to some of the notes that we've got for you. So the first style is dry and zesty. Um, these wines tend to be made with non-aromatic grapes like Chardonnay and Pinot Noir. They tend to come from cool climate wine regions and some examples include most non-vintage champagnes, most cavas, and Brut Nature wines. Um, Brut Nature often denotes the youngest level of sparkling wines that can be released both in France and in Spain. The next kind of category are dry, fruity, dry wines, but that are fruity and floral instead of zesty. That's me. Oh, no, look at I'm you. zesty. You're, you're zesty. But these, I can also be fruity and floral. <laughs> the, it just depends on the day. <laughs> it just depends. These wines, um, while still light in taste, have more floral and fruit notes, typically from the grapes that have been blended into the wine. So a lot of times, instead of a single varietal, so like when you see Chardonnay, Sparkling wine of Chardonnay or Pinot Noir, oftentimes they are single varietal wines. Ones that tend to err on the more fruity and floral side tend to be blends. Um, they also tend to come from warm climate wine, wine regions. Some examples include Brut and Extra Dry Prosecco, Sparkling Rosés, which we found out are Jules' favorite, um, Riesling-based sparkling wines, and most American, Argentine, and South African sparkling wines. So again, really thinking about the climate and the impact that that has on the wines. The next category is rich and creamy. These tend to be richer sparkling wines with notes of brioche, darker colors, so think more golden or golden apple colors, and that often denotes that they have been aged longer on the leaves and in the bottle. These also happen to be my favorites. Um, examples include aged champagnes, reservas, and Grand Reservas Cavas. And then finally, we have sweet sparkling wines. Our favorites. These are wines that have been sweetened <laughs> with added sugars on top of the fermentation process and with aromatic grapes like Moscato. 
Um, some examples include demi-sec wines like Dulce and Asti Spumanti. Oh, the Asti Spumanti. <laughs> People, don't reach for it. Do not reach for that shit on the ships. Don't do it. That's all I got to say about that. That's her gift to you. All right, so should we get down to picking? Let's pick. Now that you have some more academic, shall we say, information about the sparkling wines and the bubbles, we are going to give you some of our top picks for specific shall we say, events that might be happening in the next month or so at this time of the year. And um, Drea, you're going to kick it off. What's our first category of event? Listen, this is the time of year for celebrations and get-togethers and well wishes and all that festive stuff, right? So (laughs) chances are you are either hosting or attending some sort of holiday, shindig, dinner party, get-together, or maybe um, you're just hanging out on a Tuesday by yourself looking at your Christmas tree and thinking, I want to get festive. <laughs> or whatever. Or, or drunk. Yeah, sure, or, whatever. You know. so, so the holiday <laughs> the holiday get-together, whether it be with others and loved ones or, or yourself, yourself. And you're enjoying a book and, and a crackling do- fire. And your dog and yep. locked your husband out of your home. That actually sounds so fabulous. <laughs> I really like this get-together. So, okay, what are we drinking? So we what are we thinking about? Well, so here are some things to consider, right? Um, so first off, is are the bubbles the star of the show? Like, is this something that you're going to be Always. serving throughout the, the duration <laughs> of the gathering? Or will there be additional beverages? Is it a welcome drink? Whatever the case may be, right? The other thing you have to consider is how many people will be in attendance. So are, if you're hosting, is this a big party? Is this a small, intimate dinner party? Is it just you and your dog? Like, whatever it is you're doing... That is going to determine what you pick because price point will come into play at at that point, right? Um, My recommendation for this type of get-together and to make it extra festive is actually Jules Soulmate Sparkler, a sparkling rosé. Love it. It's fun. It's pretty. It's it's an easy (laughs) drinker. It's going to go down real quick. And there are a lot of great ones available on the market. Uh, my particular pick is the Cava Rosé from Cordonneau, which I think is a fantastic value coming in at about $14 a bottle. So, you know, for an imported high-end Cava, that's a that's a great price. But also do yourself a favor. Like, you can get some, you There's know. There's some good, like, rosé sparklers at Target. Yeah, Absolutely. Mum does one. I think Piper Sonoma does one. There are a lot of great options. There's a lot. The other thing, too, is if you go into, like, your local Total Wine or your BevMo or even your grocery store and say, listen, I'm having a holiday gathering. I want a sparkling rosé, and this is my budget, they will hook it up. And if you're buying for a crowd, all three of those places, and I think Target might as well, um, will do discounts on cases a or a six-pack. Yeah. So it makes it a lot more affordable to entertain in that way. And if you want to um, splurge on a really nice bottle of sparkling um, rosé, La Crema makes a really, really excellent one. Oh, I, I don't think I've tried that one. It's really good. Okay, I'm going to have to go check that out. 
walks to liquor store. <laughs> <laughs> walks to Jules' wine fridge outside. Oh, well then. <laughs> okay, Jules. So what about for a hol- an intimate holiday dinner? Maybe it's like a family dinner or, you know, you and your, your significant other or your inner circle. Okay. One thing that I tend to think about is like, when do you want to serve the champagne? Or sparkling wine. Are you going to serve it with your, like, charcuterie board or appetizers? Are you going to serve it with dessert? So you kind of have to, I think, choose when you'd like to serve it. But also, much like um, the festive get-together that Dre was saying, are you going to be drinking it throughout the night? Also, I tend to be a person that, like, I'll have a glass of champagne at different times of the night, kind of depending on what's happening. Um, I usually like to start with bubbles. I don't really like to end the night with bubbles because I feel like at that point I'm the kind of it's like too sweet. Even like if it's not a super sweet one, mm-hmm. um, it tends to be a little bit much. So um, consider when you want to serve it. The other thing too is, um, and I don't think we really talked about this as, too much yet, but a sparkling wine can pair great with a actual dinner too yes. as a main course, yeah. as, especially depending on what you're serving. And if you've got, like, a fussy table, to be honest, or, like, if you've got one of those fancy things, like, I only drink reds or this or that, this can tend to be, like, an equalizer. Mm-hmm. Because, like, I'm sorry, if you don't like bubbles, you need to get the fuck up on out of here. Probably not going to be sitting around the table with Dre and I. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> Go outside. No, that's not true. But mm, I, don't, I don't think I know anybody that doesn't like bubbles. I was like, so it is true. But I don't think I, I know anybody that doesn't drink bubbles. Or that doesn't enjoy it like a glass. Right, yeah. Maybe someone doesn't enjoy bubbles the way I like bubbles, but... <laughs> They're not getting that silly straw special. But, yeah. Yeah, my sister sent me um, a thing on Instagram this week that was like this... The question was, someone asked me if I can drink a whole bottle of champagne on my own, and then it's like this little girl just like laughing hysterically. <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah well. that sounds familiar. <laughs> So our pick for um, the bottle that you could potentially, you know, have for your holiday dinner is um, the Gramona Illustrios, aged seven years. Yeah. So this is um, an aged cava. It is a beautiful wine. It has all those notes of, you know, toasted croissant and almonds, and it's just... It's got such a depth of flavor. It could stand oh, you up. Mean to, croissant? Croissant. It could stand up to any meal that you're going to put out for the holidays um, in any course. And it is a very common Christmas wine in Barcelona. Okay. So. So we're going to Barcelona for dinner. Yeah, well, Holiday I mean, dinner. why not? And then our final situation or event is a New Year's Eve toast. Yeah, and so here's the thing. I two words of advice. One, drink whatever the fuck you want. That's it's more New than Year's. two words. Sure. Two pieces of advice. Okay, I think she meant fuck, to say. Sorry, jeez, <laughs> I didn't know we were being so specific here. Our listener understands me. She does. <laughs> <laughs> so, two pieces of advice. It's the end of the year. It's probably been a rough one. Drink whatever the fuck you want. Go for best. <laughs> Go nuts. But two, like, I always, so I do a tradition, a bubbles around the world tradition every year. 
And I also don't stay up till midnight West Coast time. I watch the New York draw ball drop. And if I could get away with watching the Barcelona one, I would do that. Um, so I promptly open the first bottle around 11 a.m. And then we just work our way around the globe. It's kind of like those Santa trackers, but... Bottle, uh, bottle yeah, tracker. Yeah, it's fine. It's totally fine. Um, so, so drink what you want. But I also think, too, that it, you know, a lot of people put a lot of stock in New Year's Eve and the symbolism of it and da 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 And if... Obviously, Dre is one of those people. Clearly. But, <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know, make it something that's, that's going to be memorable for you and that's going to be enjoyable for you. And I think one of the classic bottles that I always return to is a good... Whew, a little vuv Yeah. I mean, it's a beautiful bottle. Um, it's fairly accessible in terms of where to find it. It is a little bit of a higher price point coming in around between $50 and $60. But if you're going to ring in the new year and you only do it once a year, why the hell not, right? Um, so go for it. But yeah, any anything with bubbles I think is appropriate for New Year's Eve. Okay, so let's talk a little bit then about um, serving, storing, and all that good stuff. So how much? Again, depends on what kind of boozers you're engaging with for any of these. But a standard bottle, and Jules and I are going to fight about this until the end of time, will yield about five glasses. I'm not going to argue with that. Over bubbles? I say wine is four glasses. But for bubbles, because they're smaller glasses, so if you're just pouring like a flute, I would say probably five to six. Oh, well, we're going to fight about that in a so, minute then. Or, you know, listen, we'll just have to open up a fucking bottle and just <laughs> oh count. It's, it's a pretty easy thing to, to figure out. But this we do, hard. we do, it's math, but we do recommend <laughs> bottles. It's for, wine math, though. Is that like girl math? Because We like that. wine math. We like wine math. <laughs> um, but we do recommend a bottle for every two guests. Now, glasses. So this is where I actually have very strong opinions. You do? <laughs> you know, it's shocker. So you really have three different options for sparkling wine. You can do a flute, tall, tall and skinny. You can do a coupe, shallow and wide. Or you can do a standard wine glass. If you have a mixed crowd, like, so if you have people who, you know, some like wine, some don't, some know about wine, some don't, it doesn't matter. Do whatever you want. Go for looks. Give them a fucking plastic glass. I don't care. Do what you so have to cup. do. What? A, a solo, solo cup. cup. Yeah. Serve it in Christmas mugs. Whatever. It's fine. If you have a wino in the crowd, like, or if your crowd is predominantly wine lovers, wine appreciators, I cannot emphasize enough how much I recommend a standard glass for sparkling wines. <laughs> Because a flute, you're not gonna you're not gonna be able to get the aromatics. You're not gonna get it to open up. Like it's still a wine, right? So if you wanna like really taste it and get down into it and get all those aromatics and do your swirl and all that, standard glass. So then you're gonna get four glasses out of your bottle. No, you are still getting. Oh my god. Oh my god. Fine. You know what? Fuck me. If. <laughs> When all else fails, get coops. Get coops. They're beautiful. They're going to still give you those aromatics, and you're going to get your five or six pours per and bottle. And also, don't worry about it. Just use the glasses that you have. Yeah, that's true. Buy glasses for no. a one-time thing. Don't do that. Just I mean, but if, you're, if you like enjoy. bubbles, invest. Okay, storing. 
Wine should be stored always in a cool place out of direct sunlight to prevent heat damage and oxidation. Now, well, the last time we did the Wine 101 and we talked about once you open it, we said that you got about a week if you were in the fridge. That is not going to be the case with sparkling wines. It's like not even the night. Yeah, like you, once you open that baby, you, you need to drink, drink it. it. And I don't so want to... So if you're by yourself, get your big girl pants on. <laughs> get down with your bad Let's self. Go. But I don't want to hear any of this bullshit about like, oh, you put a sterling silver spoon into the... No! None of that works. None of that works. It's even tough for wineries if they open a sparkling um, and then if they, you know... They have to pour it that day. Close it up. Like, the bubbles just aren't going to last. So you want to make sure that you are really... Like, this isn't a ball that you're just going to open up to have one glass and one toast. Um, In terms of serving... Cold. Very cold. You want your bubbles cold. Now, I know we say with, like, whites and stuff, you don't want them that cold because you still want to taste the great. You want these cold. cold. And invest in an ice bucket or ask Santa to bring you one. Also, you can just take your Home Depot or your Lowe's bucket and throw some ice in there and stick your bottle in there. Yeah, do what you gotta do. Put you know what? You put wrapping paper around the ice bucket, ribbon, do whatever. Yeah, whatever you gotta do. Make it festive. Get a bowl. Listen. Get a sack. It doesn't matter. Santa sack. Oh, that sounded bad. Oh, God. As soon as it left my mouth, I was like, oh, the children. You can't put it back in. (laughs) All right. So with that, now you are a Bubbles aficionado. So go forth and drink. Our next episode will close out our holiday series and feature our New Year's Spectacular with what? A celebration of Bubbles around the world. Oh, yeah. It's going to be a marathon, not a sprint. That's right. Uh, You better be drinking for that one. I am. I will be. She'll be off the muzzle relaxers. So, uh, if you have a particular bottle of sparkling wine that you love or you would like to see us feature on our New Year's Spectacular, um, go ahead and slide into those DMs and follow us on Instagram at Two Girls in a Great Pod. That's T W O, Girls in a Great Pod. And hey, while you're at it, don't forget to give us a five star rating. Five just, stars. Just in time for Christmas, wherever you listen ask, to pod. That's all we ask. Listen, Christmas. if I have to sit on Santa's lap to ask for it, I'll do five stars yep. under the tree. That's right. Um, so, with that, salute. Cheers. Tiny bubbles. Tiny bubbles. Swirling in my head.